Okay, Oscar Nuts, we are days away from getting the results of BAFTA and PGA, but we've had a lot of tea leaves so far with uh, Golden Globes and other guilds. So where do we stand now in terms of real Oscar frontrunners? I don't know. I just pretend to know. I'm Tom O'Neill, the editor of Gold Derby, but I have th these guys on staff to help set us all straight. Uh, we have Marcus Dixon, Daniel Montgomery, and Chris Rosen. Uh, Daniel, we're going to start with you because you had the guts to write an article this morning that <laughs> I thought was excellent uh, in terms of summing up the confusing uh, uh, early indicators that we have. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. As we're recording this, uh, we're we're a day out from the SAG Awards, which went to Trial of the Chicago Seven in the top category. Um, and the SAG Awards sometimes predicts the Oscar, though only about half the time do they actually match. Uh, but a couple of those times, it was Shakespeare in Love, it was Crash, it was Spotlight, the films that were the underdogs in the Oscar race. That was our early indication. Um, I think that could happen here, but also not. Um, like that's the that's the weird thing. Nomadland has won everything. It's a very like it won the Golden Globe, Critics' Choice, Producers Guild. Uh, it's the front runner for the Directors Guild, which are coming up. Uh, it's a very uncharacteristic choice for the Oscars. Uh, like it's a very small scale independent movie, but then again, so was Moonlight. It won Best Picture. Um, so it's it's I I think it's still up in the air, and I I think Minari is also also looking like Moonlight uh, because Moonlight lost everything along the way um and then it won the oscar for best picture uh and it had that sentimental rooting factor that minari still has so i i honestly still think it's a three-way race uh but right now just because everything most things seem to be pointing that way i'm sticking with nomadland for now okay marcus you're next uh <laughs> what say you what's really ahead to win best picture at the oscars well, you know, there's a lot of Oscar categories I'm losing sleep over, and Best Picture is not one of them. <laughs> I am not even considering that something else, you know, can be Nomadland. God love you, Daniel, for, for laying out the cases. But what, this has won the Producers Guild, the Golden Globe, um, Critics' Choice, and, you know, dozens of, of Critics' Prizes earlier in the season. And yes, it, 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 didn't win any SAG awards, but it doesn't need to. I mean, this is not an actorly movie. I mean, it's full of people who had never even acted before. Frances McDormand will probably win BAFTA, but that's really because of a you know lack of competition. Many of her Oscar nominees or co-nominees aren't even recognized at BAFTA. So I'm sticking with Nomadland. At this point, nothing can change my mind to switch. So I'm either going down with the ship or I'm going to get it right. <laughs> All right, now Chris Rose and I are going to talk you out of that. <laughs> I don't know if I can. You can collapse it like a house of cards in less than seven minutes. Go for it, Chris. <laughs> well, I would say if it was any, my problem is I think if it was any other year, I would be saying Nomadland is vulnerable because I just don't feel like there's a lot of enthusiasm for it, right? Like we've seen, like, I mean, like last year, like, Parasite, there was a lot of enthusiasm for. I guess that maybe the comp is like Spotlight. Was there a lot of enthusiasm for that? I don't know. But the, I, the problem is I don't have another movie here that I think has enough enthusiasm to beat Nomadland. So, like, I mean, I think Minari would have been my choice. And I kind of like I had switched to from Chicago 7 to Minari for SAG because I was like, oh, if it wins SAG, 
maybe that was like a little hope dicting or whatever, where I was like, oh, if it wins SAG, then like, you know, that gives it a shot, I think, against Nomadland. But it didn't. Chicago's ever won. So now I'm like, okay, well, I don't think there's a lot of enthusiasm anymore for Chicago 7. It feels like that kind of like ebbed and uh, a little bit as the season has worn on. So I'm sticking with Nomadland too, though I would love to be uh, love to be wrong and have it be like a big upset or something. But I just don't think it's going to lose. I think, uh, you know, like – the reason I, I think it just it feels like the movie that everybody has kind of agreed is like the best picture, right? Like it just is it's that's it. And like 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 Marcus said, there's other races that I think people are more uh enthusiastic about like trying to figure out or pulling an upset on or like a little more unexpected. I think people have moved on from just like Nomad Land one and we'll find other stuff to worry about. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe you could convince me of promising young woman Tom. Because I'm looking I'm looking to pick something else, but I just can't. I can't do it. That's 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 my uh what what does Joyce call them? My your 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 fan diction. Yeah. Your, yeah. Your, uh when you're because uh, it's my favorite movie of the year. But I also am kind of talking myself into it in uh, other ways that I want you uh uh, to help me out with here. But look, something very weird has been happening with the Oscars in recent years as the voting changes constantly and the membership expands rapidly. And that is all of these movies that we've just talked about that, oh, that, that they were, they, uh, this year is different because Nomadland just won everything. There's, there was, there's just this presumption, this presumption that the, the, um, uh, the more quiet movie, the, 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 the obvious front runner is going to win. But you know what? That sounds an awful lot like Roma, which got beat by Green Book, or La La Land, which got beat by Moonlight, or The Revenant, which got beat by Spotlight, or even to some extent like 1917, which, we of course, we know got clobbered by Parasite. These assumptions uh, we can no longer make, like the old, the old days when we could uh, logically say, okay, certain indicators like, the biggest movie would win. Literally the big, the, and Thompson and I once did a list together where we took the running time of every nominee for best picture going back historically. And then in almost every case, of course, the longest movie won. It was hilarious. And, and then um, we know the movie that with the most nominations used to win, but uh, what the, Last year, the uh, Parasite what had four nominations or something. Uh, you can't, or was it four wins? Six. Yeah, yeah, six nominations uh, and, and four wins. Yeah, so a lot of these rules don't apply, and these guilds are not agreeing. And as the Academy is reaching out to uh, uh, a broad audience internationally, that's bringing many other different sensibilities to the Best Picture race. Which is great, of course, but it's it's making our jobs difficult. So, in other words, every year the last five years or so, we had this presumed front runner, we had this revenant, we had this Roma, et cetera, et cetera. But then we had excitement near the end when an upset came. Here's my case for a promising young woman, and I want you to talk me out of it. <laughs> Because the one thing it has, it does not have, is pretension, and it doesn't have, it feels like a commercial film. That's, I think it's two problems for being, um, for not winning, let's say. But the argument for winning it, I think, is that I remember 
for many years I worked at the Hearst Corporation and had to do with uh, uh, coming up with cover lines, etc. And as well as the book division and in the marketing divisions of companies. And, and in every case, the um, one of the most important selling elements of anything, a magazine, whatever it was, is defiance. It just, I've had enough, boom. boom. And um, the, uh, the defiance is what one parasite last, last year. I mean, that finale was just, when they just couldn't take it anymore and the jig was up, they just went for it. And that's what made it so great. Um, I don't, and in Spotlight, of course, when they actually end up winning their case, it just gets you this great rooting factor. We don't really have that here. There's a rooting factor at the end of, uh, of Chicago 7. It's uh, that wonderful speech at the end, beautifully staged. Uh, but yet it's so, so much, so similar to so many trial movies we've say, we've had. Um, and I don't know what else could win either. So uh, I think that Promising Young Woman taps that inner rage in people, that, 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 that just the desire to just say, screw you to everyone, but, uh, and touches that, that outrage indicator and has a root definitely has a rooting factor i mean it's getting nominations all over the place it's really there's something bubbling there and if i want to really talk myself into this then use the chris beecham rule and you know that which is different from all the others in this race wins and here we have a couple of foreign films etc and we have a couple of this and a couple of that but a promising young woman has just hit it just opened a couple of days ago uh and the numbers are real strong on it, and the word of mouth is really strong. If there were movies that have momentum now and are surging upward, they include Promising Young Woman and, and uh, Minari, or Minari uh, however you pronounce it. So we don't have a front runner, and we don't have a traditional. Uh, <laughs> but one, no man. One, one thing about promising that you could be right is that I think it's one of only two movies to get editing, directing, screenplay, acting, and picture. I think Nomadland's yes. the other one. Um, so it got everything it needed. It didn't, you know, get any of those other little tech um, category nominations, but it did get the most important ones. So if you just look by that, it you know, it would be either Promising a Woman or Nomadland. Yeah, but what looks good on paper has not looked good at the Oscars in recent years, because last year, I, you know, the film that hit everything it needed to hit uh, was actually like, was actually like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like it got all mm -hmm. the key categories at the Oscars. It had won the Critics' Choice Award and the Golden Globe. It was, it was doing well. It hadn't won everything, but it was at least nominated for everything. Um, and it ended up falling short. And we see, like, there's an exception to every rule every year, um, whether it's Birdman, a rare movie to win Best Picture without the editing nomination, or Argo and Green Book winning without the directing nomination. I'd say screenplay is the one exception where, like, if you're not in screenplay, you're kind of out at this point because no film that is missed there that looked like a strong contender has won, uh, like The Revenant. Um, so, but like there, there's been an exception to every rule. Green Book also wasn't nominated for SAG Ensemble when that 
you usually needed a SAG ensemble nomination. So, like, yeah, I still, like, again, while I'm still predicting Nomadland to win, um, I, I do think this is an open race between those four films, although I do think that Promising Young Woman probably is fourth out of those four, uh, just because it is such, uh, it, it probably will be a divisive movie that I think will probably rank low on some preferential ballots um, and high on others. Um, whereas, you know, these, these old, these older members of the Academy who are still there, Trial of the Chicago 7 could be their rousing movie that, you know, we're not thinking of because it's not film Twitter's movie. Um, you know, Minotti could be Moonlight because Moonlight lost SAG, Moonlight lost PGA, Moonlight lost BAFTA, Moonlight lost DGA, and it won Best mm -hmm. Picture, and it had the rooting factor, and it won a supporting award at the rooting SAG. factor, and, so, like, and it had, it, and it had, like, Pete Hammond reminds us, the most number two votes, et cetera. So in other words, even, even if, if my uh, delusion of of a promising young woman happens with the picture. Uh, it's you're right. It's going to be ranked really low on other ballots and high. Uh, Nomadland's going to be ranked high on every, within the top three of almost every ballot. I don't know. But how did this shake up the best actress race? Boy, I come back for Viola. Go Viola! Wow. I actually switched to now back to Viola for best actress <laughs> after oh. the tags. I I'm like lost, honestly. I had I would say I, I really thought Francis McDormand would win at the SAGs, I guess for no reason other than like we were saying, Nomadland is clearly like the choice of this award season in every kind of, it showed up everywhere and I was just like, is it really gonna go the whole night? without winning something, and then the only thing it could win is Best Actress of Frances McDormand. I'm not convinced Carrie Mulligan was gonna win uh, at all, and uh, no, but, but, and so anyway, Viola Davis won at SAG, and I was like, maybe she'll win Best Actress. I guess the reason I kept thinking that now is that if Frances McDormand, let's say, is not going to win because it'll be a third Oscar, and if No Man Land is gonna win Best Picture, and then you could argue that like that's kind of like her winning Best Actress because she's the whole movie, right? So if you love it enough to win Best Picture, why would you also give it her Best Actress? It's just like a repeat of the award, basically. It, it, go bear with me here as I, I kind of like uh, connect these wild thoughts. But then I was like, okay, so she's not going to win. Carrie Mulligan, I maybe is not as strong of a contender as she hasn't really won anything except Critics' Choice. Um, so maybe that ends up not happening. So then you're left with like Viola Davis or Andre Day. And while I think Andre Day could easily win, I just think like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is a better movie. And I think more people are gonna be watching it more carefully because of Chadwick Boseman definitely winning. So that leads me to believe that Viola Davis could win. But again, I don't have any idea and I could change it again. I don't know. <laughs> I'd love to, what do you guys have at this point for, for Best Actress? Well, I still have Carrie Mulligan, but she's not in a good position right no. now. She, she lost the Globe. She lost the SAG. She's snubbed, very strangely snubbed at BAFTA. Um, all she has is that Critics' Choice. So was Viola wasn't nominated at ba BAFTA. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, You're loud here. Go ahead. As if, uh, <laughs> I'm still fighting for my prediction. <laughs> um, sorry, what was your prediction, Viola? No, I'm 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 uh, I'm hope hope predicting uh, Carrie Mulligan. Okay, yeah, because the thing about Promising Woman is, it's Carrie's movie. She is that movie, 
she it, it's almost like the female joker she even has the wig and but the thing is joaquin phoenix won every uh, award show uh going up to the oscars and she's only won the critics choice so it's I, I don't know what i'm gonna do in this category i i moved andrew day up to second place after chris beecham gave all of these you know explanations for why he's predicting her to win he couldn't join us today but he said something along the lines of you know maybe sag didn't see the movie in time maybe that's why she was snubbed andrew day there and uh, we don't know what happened with bafta um there's very very strange uh snubs over there but uh, i forget what else he said something along the lines of um it's the transformative role he was right. talking about right? right it's like judy garland or right. or uh, freddie mercury where you can really tell uh comparing to a really well-known figure uh how well the performance captures it which is his argument but the one thing if chris was here i would i would say you know that movie only has the one nomination and what do we always say you know the wife you know glenn close she she lost for the wife because it was the only nomination for the wife but then again you have someone like julian uh, julian moore for still alice winning on that sole nomination so I don't know. I do wish that United States versus Billie Holiday had something else because it's hard for me to predict that. Um, I don't know. So right now I have Carrie Mulligan in first, Andrew Day in second, Viola <laughs> Davis in third. But I want one more thing before I, I shut up. If Viola Davis was in supporting, I really think she would be running that category at every award show. I think she'd be winning. I remember looking at the list of Oscar nominees when they the, the final list came out and just looking at it going, Viola Davis has this wrapped up, you know. Mm -hmm. It was the first of the um, uh, nominees that I had seen going back through Oscar season. And I was so impressed, as you have to be, by this performance. And also just by the fact that how how talk about defiant defiant when she holds on to her dignity and and to into her little power that she has and into you know hope in a horrible world for her and this it's physically transformative in the sense that you know, she's she put on padding or wait for the for the uh the deal and she is uh just magnificent in the film and in the final shot when she's put into the taxi and she just looks out like okay, I just stepped away from the one place where I'm going to get respect in the world, where they're going to have to do what I say, and now I'm going back out into this world of racism and uh, uh, poverty and all the rest of these things. There was this 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 kind of regality about the role that maybe just said, oh, I, I, it, it's over. I was late seeing uh, Promising Young Woman because I accidentally watched it on demand on cable and hit Spanish, so I ended up watching the Spanish with English subtitles. <laughs> so well, what the hell? I've already paid for it. So then I went back the next day and watched it in English, and I was just really just—it's one of those movies. Just I went over the top, love it because it's just such a hoot. But um, it doesn't have the dignity and the class uh, that a Best Picture, you know, the pretension that it needs. Right. But it has a rooting factor for those of us who really, really root for it and as you said Mark said it hits all those key indicators um is so, it snobby enough though it it's it's not I mean, snobby it's such enough, a right. cool movie but it's not a snobby movie and it's I don't know I feel like 
you know, I'm, I'm predicting Kerry Mulligan right now, too, not confidently, because <laughs> um, uh, everything's going to be weird and everything's going to be different because uh, we're going to have a different winner at BAFTA. Um, but, like, I, I still go back to, like, Black Swan. That film had a little bit more artsy pretension to it, but it was also kind of this dark, edgy, kind of a horror movie uh, thing where it's not, like, uh, the pretentious film. I don't think Joker even was that pretentious you know, the pretentious film any more than, than Promising Young Woman is. Um, and really, this this is this is the category of defiance. Like, every single nominee in this category is, you know, Frances McDormand living on her own stubbornly, like, refuses to you know, take help from, like, her sister. Uh, Vanessa Kirby refuses to grieve like her mother insists that she grieve. Uh, Viola Davis demanding respect. Uh, uh, Carrie Mulligan demanding respect. Andrew Day saying, screw you, I'm singing this song. Everyone in this category has sort of that going for them. Um, where I'm still leaning towards Carrie is, I, I think it's been since As Good As It Gets that a film has won both lead acting Oscars. Um, and Chadwick Boseman is pretty secure for best actor at this point, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and Viola Davis does have a significantly smaller role in that film, so I'm not so confident about her. She also has a thing with SAG. Like, she won for The Help, uh, didn't win the Oscar for that. Uh, she has six SAG awards now, including two for How to Get Away with Murder. She only won one Emmy for that. Um, so, you know, that could be a sort of Denzel Washington and Penfield kind of deal with SAG. Um, neither of them is up at the BAFTAs, so we're going to get Frances McDormand or uh, or uh, Vanessa Kirby or one of the other nominees who's not on the radar for any other awards. Uh, so, like, we're not going to have a real front runner going into the Oscars. And given how strong Promising Young Woman is as a Best Picture, Director, Screenplay, Editing nominee, um, which uh, Black Swan also was, um, and having Ma Rainey underperform there, uh, having Andrew Day be the only nominee and a debut performance like there's no urgency to say like andrew day needs an oscar right now um right. and for andrew day especially like united states versus billy holiday is a film that should have gotten in somewhere else it could have gotten in for sound or for costumes or for production design or for the original song that andrew day wrote that wasn't even shortlisted um so it it, it really feels like she can win, but I'm not sure that 90 members of the Hollywood Foreign Press is enough for me to say, yeah, now I'm, I'm moving her up. Uh, so, like, sort of by default, I'm still with Carrie, just because, not because her, her pros are so strong, but because everyone has cons. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it, it, it's really hard to, to, to puzzle it out. It could be like Adrian Brody, because Viola Davis and Frances McDormand are both past winners, um, in a close race where it's just like, okay, let's give it to the one who hasn't won before. Everyone keeps saying how they love this year's best actress race. I hate it. I like to <laughs> one front runner that I can predict and get the point at every category, at every award show. And now I'm, I'm, you know, losing. Points oh, my I, will say, I will say this is, this is a world-class best actress and best actor field. I feel like even despite the pandemic, these are in terms of the quality of the performances in both these categories, it's among the best, best actress lineup and the best, best actor lineups of this 21st century so far. In my experience, it's such a good group in both cases. Mm -hmm. Impossible to predict. I, uh, I have, I haven't come back. You know what I, what I do is 
what a lot of uh, us do is, is when we when we make predictions is that uh, we'll put our our what we want to win out there in some cases we'll 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 try to do our jobs and make pr absolute predictions but we'll allow ourselves in the early cycle of awards predictions like you know, four months out to sneak a few of those little um vanity ones in there and then slowly we have to get real and and we have to uh to make strong predictions here but um promising young woman just really set me on fire a few weeks ago um when i whenever it was i caught up with it um, uh several weeks ago whatever it was but anyway that's just me i'm probably going to switch to nomadland near the end simply because of the very convincing argument that Daniel just made about the the ranking uh, promising young woman is going going to get a lot of my number ones and twos, but it's going to get a lot of seven and eights as well. Hmm. I don't know. Any uh, are these uh, supporting categories all wrapped up now? Well, Daniel Kaluuya has been wrapped up for about a month now, and, yeah. and same with Chadwick and Lead. Um, supporting actress, though, that's an, an, another category I hate. <laughs> um, I, I do have Yajun Yoon winning, and the SAG definitely, you know, helps her. And that, well, that was such a great speech. If, there, if speeches still matter, which in the age of, you know, virtual ceremonies, they may not, she gave the best speech of, of the SAG night. And I loved having the, the co-nominees there, like the Glenn Closes and the Olivia Coleman's cheering her on and saying, no, you're doing great. Your, your English is perfect. It was such a heartwarming moment. And, you know, she's the, the um, what's his, the guy, I'm blanking out his name, Alan Arkin. She's the Alan Arkin from Little Miss Sunshine. She's the, the grandma. He was the grandpa with, they had health conditions and it was about the family and he, he, he was kind of quirky and she's kind of quirky. It's the, the exact same character and he won for that. So I'm, I'm going with that. Yeah, I, I think, I think Yajan Yoon is, I've had her out front sort of by default just because like best actress, it's been kind of all over the place. The fact that she won SAG, I feel is huge because she's not, a, it's, it's a huge organization, 160,000 people. They often go with the big names or the, you know, the, the legends. Like a, this would have been a perfect place for Glenn Close to win. It would have made perfect sense. Um, but the fact that they went with this performance uh, from a, an actress who's not well known outside of Korea until now, um, it, it, it feels like such a, a vote of support for her and the film. And just like, even though we're not seeing all these award shows with lots of crowds where we get to see like, oh, the crowd reacting to Parasite. And that's how we know it's a strong contender because it has that rooting factor. There was no one at the SAG Awards who was happier to lose than Ya Jung Yoon's fellow nominees for supporting actress. Everyone was so insanely happy for her. Mm -hmm. um, and it feels like that's 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 that kind of quality that that like people want to hug this person so much, uh, and it feels like that is happening. And she's nominated at BAFTA in those weird BAFTA jury uh, categories, so she has a chance to continue building more momentum there. Uh, so if she does that, I I'm going to feel more confident about her for supporting actress than anyone for best actress. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think what Daniel said, and your and he just said there, and, and also in his piece the, for the site, the fact that everybody was like so into her winning, I was like, that's it, she won. Like it, it just mm -hmm. felt like it's hard to imagine her not winning. The only person who seemed, if not unhappy, but just like not as enthusiastic, was Maria Bakalova. I would say, you know, not to knock her, and I love her performance, and maybe she's like the number two. But everybody else, like Glenn Close and uh, Olivia Colman, they were just so thrilled and like all the other actors i think it was like uh, whoever else was there it was like because they mixed the supporting actor and actress nominees at sag uh everybody seemed really excited for her to win and yeah i just feel like she's it's the alan arkin comp is really really solid it just feels like that's a, it's the same kind of it's just it's the type of performance that would win here so yeah i think it, i'm actually now locking her in and then the only race is best actress that's just out of out of its mind <laughs> but yeah <laughs> Well, whatever happened to poor Amanda Seyfried? Wasn't she supposed to uh, uh, sweep this category? We had her way out front for a million years, like we had Leslie Odom Jr. way out front for a million years. And now, all of a sudden, we've just switched horses here uh, with, with great enthusiasm in the home stretch. I agree with both of those predictions. I think they'll both win. Um, but isn't it interesting to see this this contest emerge as the as as a race because uh grandma from uh, uh minari is really really taking off and who was it on our staff that uh when we interviewed her she just said what is happening to me you know what was her her interview with gold derby where she just confessed that she has this stuff you know this is freaking me out you know <laughs> this, this uh you know actor in the trenches or non-actor i don't know much about her background but um I think that was Kevin Jacobson interviewing her. No. Um, and back to Amanda Seyfried for a second. I remember Jimmy Kimmel told her on his on his show that she was number one in the Gold Derby odds. And that was back in October, November. And, you know, being snubbed at SAG really hurt her. And not winning anywhere definitely has hurt her. So she has, you know, gone down a little bit as other people continue to rise. Like She's Jason in last place at Gold Derby now. Among experts, yeah. how and the mighty have Close finally wins her fucking Oscar, and she's like, "Oh my God, I'm unprepared. I never expected I'd win for this. I don't have a speech prepared." Yeah. Glenn Close could still win the Oscar. I think like there's there is every possibility that like after the wife lost, like this is her eighth nomination, like. I don't like even Oscar voters who vote for her. Like I'm sure a lot of them probably don't like the movie, uh, but I can just see a lot of people throwing up their hands and just saying, "Just give it to her now." <laughs> so we don't have to do this again or do this to her again. Like in another couple of years, when she's in you know Hillbilly Elegy Two, Electric Boogaloo, and she's trying to do this again, <laughs> just 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 give it to her. And you know, I like I, I have a theory that if she had won for the wife, like we all thought she would, this category would be an easier win for like Olivia Coleman because I feel like. Her, her losing yeah. for the favorite would set her up for a narrative of, oh, we really want to give Olivia Coleman an Oscar because she really deserved the Oscar for the favorite. Um, and so she hasn't really picked up steam, but if she had that narrative in this wide open category, I feel like she would have been winning things this season, especially with the crown on top the of it. May, the, uh, the narrative may not matter. It may just be a case of name recognition and then and them just going, oh, I don't know what to do here. Oh, the, and and having this vague recollection of of Glenn Close never winning, so then checking her off. Uh, mm -hmm. Remember the infamous words of Catherine Hepburn 
if I've got my, I hope I don't screw this story up, but when, um, uh, was it Audrey Hepburn hadn't uh, gotten nominated for the Oscar um, for My Fair Lady, she got a uh, telegram from Catherine Hepburn saying, don't worry about that, dear. Uh, someday you're going to finally win for a role that doesn't rate it. <laughs> and um, if I'm if I'm right about that story, and I'm sure I'm wrong, but it, 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 because Audrey, Audrey Hepburn actually won for her first role, you know, Roman Holiday. But anyway, I've screwed that story up. But the basic point was Oscar's biggest winner, Catherine Hepburn, says you win for movies <laughs> that don't rate it. You know, I would say she's often right, but uh, her greatest performance certainly won an Oscar. Uh, that that is the line and winner. And the thing about Glenn Close is that this movie is not the wife because this movie has another nomination and it's makeup and hair. So you could say, you know, maybe she lost because of the wife. Maybe they didn't watch that movie. Maybe they didn't like it. Well, they clearly didn't love it because it only got the one. But Hillbilly Elegy has two nominations. Woo, okay. The crap, it's, it's the La Vion Rose and the Iron Lady double play. is an <laughs> actor, a female acting award and makeup. <laughs> Wouldn't that be terrible if that were her career Oscar after all this? I don't think she would care. <laughs> she probably wouldn't care, I know. And all she right, is I the thing that people, like, in Hillbilly Elegy, well, a movie that even people who don't like it, which is most people, <laughs> uh, it, like, no one is mad at her about that movie. <laughs> no, one, yeah. no one holds that movie against her, which I think is the kindest thing you can say about anything in Hillbilly Elegy. Um, so, so, yeah, like, she might maybe she'll get like a, a sympathy prize like Rami Malek having to work with Brian Singer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, y'all. Well, we'll I'll reconvene after BAFTA, after PGA, and everybody will have different predictions. But what the heck? That's what this is all about. Uh, those of you watching and listening. Uh, go to the Prediction Center at Gold Derby. Make your predictions now. You can change. You can update them. You can um, uh, stay on top of this race. It's important that we have our most current predictions, all of us there, because that sets the racetrack odds. That sets Hollywood spinning. <laughs> they are terrified of our racetrack odds, I can tell you, the executives in Hollywood. And that's the reason we do this, because it's so much fun to terrorize them. Uh, <laughs> we will reconvene soon. Thanks.